Fantastic. Okay, well, we're continuing uh, Christmas. Eh? <laughs> well, none the wiser, even why they did it. They just did it. Which is the randomness of young adults. Uh, and just, uh, it's good to dress up, you know. Do you know what? It's amazing how what you wear affects your attitude. Um, I, um, I have a full range of clothes from the thoroughly disgusting to the smart. And uh, this morning I was wearing my boiler suit uh, and just anything I could find underneath to walk the dog and get the chickens out and, and, uh, and, and you know, and all, my hair is out sideways. And I, I got back and, uh, and Cheryl said, you're definitely going to wash your hair this morning, aren't you? <laughs> it was sort of all out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll wash my hair, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so... But your, your, what you wear affects your attitude. Um, and, you know, even in your heart, um, what you clothe your heart with affects your attitude towards God. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so I, I like the fact that they, uh, they, they dress smart. We used to do church. We used to do church every Sunday, shirt and tie. And uh, it, it, culturally, a lot of people don't wear shirt and tie like they used to. Um, not even in the offices. A lot of the, a lot of the guys. Um, uh, Brian, you you wear a suit and tie much more these days, don't you? But it, it's still dressed. Is it dressed down Friday? Is it yeah, dressed down Friday? And uh, so it, it's amazing how much uh, the shirt and tie has is is not so important in the culture uh, of today. But it's nice to just smarten up a bit. I'm feeling a bit unsmart with my check shirt. <laughs> But it goes with my jacket, and so which I haven't got on, which doesn't work. So <laughs> fantastic. Okay, so we're going to um, start our Christmas series. We were going to do our Christmas series um, before, um, and um, I, I just kind of felt I wanted to take the church on a journey. Now it's not a uh, it's not a chronological journey of Christmas, but it's a journey um, of the introduction and the life of who Jesus Christ is uh, and how he was revealed upon the earth. And, and so I'm going to be preaching um, in all of the services um, in December and I want to just unfold the journey of Jesus Christ and how he was revealed and, and, and how he, the, his birth and, and his life, the impact of Jesus Christ upon the earth. And and so go with me, will you, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 1. Matthew 3, verse 1. We've, uh, we've done this a lot. Um, I preached on this, in fact, Sunday morning and Sunday night um, last week. So, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching the wilderness, in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. For John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. 
Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sin. And I spoke last Sunday in my baptism service, I spoke about Jesus being baptized by John, and I I spoke about John in the, the morning service. But this morning I want to concentrate um, about, John isn't essentially a, a um, Christmas message, but um, because he was a contemporary of Jesus Christ. But he is in a sense a forerunner of Jesus and the one who is introducing him. And so this morning I want us to un- understand the, 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 the concept of what John came to do and how his ministry makes an impact upon our lives. For John came saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The prophetic word in Isaiah saying of John saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And you know, preparation is the, is the greatest thing that you can do for any kind of success. That it's all in the preparation. Preparation is everything. You know, I was a cabinet maker before I was a, um, before I was a pastor. And uh, we um, ran a business with uh, cabinet makers and we would uh, retail. And um, I was trained by my father and we would make furniture. Now, I wasn't a particularly good cabinet maker. It, I can make furniture um, but my father was a genius craftsman and, and I wasn't in that league or even the league of my brothers actually uh, but I can make furniture but my father taught me how to finish the furniture and how to prepare it how to, um, how to get it ready for the polish he taught me how to do French polishing uh, and, and um, we then went from French polishing we went on to using spray um, which is a technique that my father had never used, and so we had to learn how to do that. And, uh, and uh, we got into the water-based um, products, which uh, was at the time was quite revolutionary. Uh, the new water-based acrylic lacquers, etc., was quite new on the market in those days. And so we learned how to do all these different specialist techniques um, of finishing. But you can make a piece of furniture... And you can make it uh, beautiful. My brothers would make incredible pieces of furniture. But I know that a piece of furniture that's beautifully made but unfinished is as disappointing as a piece of wood lying on the floor. If a customer comes into a shop and they see these amazing pieces of furniture and they say, oh, I would like that, um, that dresser. I really like that dresser. I would like one of those in my home. So we, we make the dresser, but we don't we we make it, but we don't finish it. Then then you might as well just give them a piece of wood. You might as well not give them anything because an unfinished item is as useless as nothing at all. Because it doesn't it, it doesn't suit the purpose for which it was made. Um, but to finish it it has to go through the right preparation. And, you know, I worked in the, in the polish shop and um, I knew that to get a good polish and to, it's not just about applying the stain. It's not about applying the sealer and the lacquer. It's not about uh, how you apply it. It's about what happens in the sanding shop before it gets into the polish shop. And the sanding is all 
that counts. It's about it, what we used to do. And what we used to do, we would, particularly when we were working with pine, uh, is that we would get the uh, furniture into the polish shop and then we would literally boil up a kettle and pour boiling water uh, over, all over the furniture and then just let it dry. And what that would do is it would bring up all the grain and it would bring the grain right to the surface so it was really coarse and then we would begin to sand it down. And we would bring out any damage, any dents or anything that had been through going through the manufacturing, anything that was in it would be brought out. And then we would begin to sand it. And we would, we would start with a 120 and then we'd work down to a 180, and, uh, which was a coarseness of sandpaper. I realized that most of you didn't know what I'm talking about then. I, <laughs> like a 40 is, is like rough. And then, but you know, we would use like something about 120, which is fairly coarse. And, and then we would get up to about 180, just sanding down. Uh, and then we'll go all the way in the polish shop. We'll go to a 320, which is, it just feels like smooth paper, but it's, a, uh, it's actually um, just got a nice coarseness and you just a beautiful finish. And, and we would use these sandpapers to get to the finest finish. And it was the amount of time you spent sanding that piece, the amount of time you put in preparation determined the quality of the finish. You see, God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way because Jesus Christ came to finish what he had started. And when God created you, he came to finish you. There are people in this world that are beautiful, but they are unfinished. They have been made perfectly, but they are unfinished. And John the Baptist came saying, prepare the way of the Lord. And you know, it says in Isaiah chapter 57, it says, And one shall say, heap it up, heap it up, prepare the way. Take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high place and the holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You know, we spend a lot of time in preparation. Actually, Christmas is all about the preparation. It's, we spend, November is a lot of time thinking, oh, we've got to get ready for Christmas. December, it's that sort of beginning of December, it's that running around. And the last two weeks of Christmas, it's that panic that's in everybody's eye. <laughs> I've got and then it's and then it comes down to Christmas Eve and it's it's all the dads who just don't even start until Christmas Eve and they go they get up and they go yeah I'm just going to go and do my Christmas shopping and you've no idea I don't like that kind of I we start reasonably early and we want to get it wrapped up because on Christmas Eve I want to start the day I know I'm going to end up the day in here so I want to start the day by eating mince pies and drinking coffee and the holiday starts on Christmas Eve and and. Uh, but it's all about the preparation. It's all about how we prepare our heart and how we, we get our hearts ready. You know, John said that he had called us and he's calling us and he's speaking us to, to prepare the way, to make clear the road and open up the road. You know, we have to understand that when John came, he came to up, open up a new road, to open up a road of connection to the Lord. Because see, what happened is that we were created perfect in God, but sin separated us. 
and there was a disconnection of man and God. God created us that we would walk with him in perfect union. Adam would walk with the Lord in the garden. I don't know what they talked about. Maybe they would talk about a flower that has just come up. Maybe we don't even know what Adam did in the garden. Gardening, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> he may, you know, he may have been naming animals. I don't know, but whatever they spoke about, I'm I'm pretty sure that they would have been in-depth discussions about the things that God had created and His discovery of them. There was a union. There was a fellowship. There was a purpose. There was a a, a beautiful relationship. But sin came and separated, and there was a man became unfinished because he didn't have God. And in the heart of every man is a desperate need to connect to God. You know, I I want you to understand that every man is looking for God. It doesn't matter where you are, people are looking for Him. You can go into the most remote rainforest jungles and you will find people who are looking for God. Now, they might not understand, they might not have, even, they might not have connected to God or understood God or, or had any revelation of God or revelation of Jesus Christ or revelation of who He is, but, but they're searching for God because they know they're unfinished without Him. In every place upon the world, on the planet, man is looking for a God connection because they know that they are not complete until they're connected to Him. And when John came, he came saying, prepare the way of the Lord because when you prepare your heart, you open up the road that was blocked, that which was blocking. The Bible says in Isaiah, it says there, let me just go back. It says, prepare the way, take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. This is about opening up a road that reconnects us to God. And you know, I want to say to you that that for every person who's never met with Jesus, when you meet with Jesus, you, your heart is being prepared so that you can connect with Him. But I want to say to you that you, you might have been walking with Jesus for 200 years, right? But, you know, old houses need as much work as new builds. In fact, we live in an old house and I think it needs more work than a new building. <laughs> and the, the, the longer you live, the more the stumbling blocks fall into the road and stop you with connecting with God. And it's like we spend our journey, we spend our time wanting to connect to God and to connect with what He's doing, but there are stumbling blocks. You see... See, we have to remove the scandal of offense from our heart that lands in, in the road that stops us from connecting. And you know, much of what we need to connect with God is, is found in the preparation. We want to know our purpose. We want to know our destiny. We want to know that God has got something amazing for our lives. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, who, how old you are. There is, God has got something amazing for your life. You've got to understand that, that your life isn't finished, that, the, that the, there are seasons of your life. We had the privilege of having James and Laura staying with us um, on Saturday, uh, and uh, they came with their two children, 
and I realized having two little children in the house how much we don't have little children in the house here. They came in the house and like, ooh, Christmas tree. And we're like... <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I've got fires burning either end of the house. And like, oh my word, we're going to roast them alive. You know, yeah. They're just going to go, fire! <laughs> and they, <laughs> I've got a wood burner. I can just imagine them touching it and sticking to it. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. hot, hot, hot. <laughs> Everything's hot. To say, say hot, hot. <sighs> and then well, I, I, went to, uh, I went to feed the chickens and I said to little Lily, who, um, I said to Lily, do you, do you want to come and feed the chickens? And, and of course, they're very excited by this. So I go out to the utility room and, and their boots and coats. So I put my coat on, looking at them, thinking, well, put your boots on then. They don't put their boots on. Somebody has to do it for them. I'm like, oh my word, little children, I'd forgotten. You know, somebody there they are, and there's Nathan lying on the floor doing angels. Uh, well, his leg is in the air, and there's James strung up with the leg of a boot, and I'm just standing there. Chickens could be dead any minute, you know. It's, it's, it's just amazing how, having these, these kids in the house that, and you, I can't remember why I'm telling you that story. <laughs> I got so into the story, I have no idea why. <laughs> I don't even know where I was. I was we were pre- preparing something, weren't we? We're preparing the way. Come on, feed, help me, help me, help me. <laughs> Season, that's right, that's it. That, that we go through seasons. Now I know, that's it. We go through it. Yeah, you're with me on this one. Yeah. You get an extra star. When I get into my office, I'll stick it on there. Joanne, gold star. Cheryl, silver. Yeah. I keep a record of you all. My little book. There are seasons in our life, but the seasons shift and change. We, we've moved from the little children's season into having kids that put on their own shoes, yeah. And they still leave them in random places, but <laughs> I wonder whether that will ever change. And, and uh, they learn from their father. And, uh, so <laughs> and uh, Cheryl's discovered that... that um, the, the coat hook in our house is, is any chair. <laughs> that's it. That's the coat. I walk in, I take my coat off, it goes on the chair in the kitchen. If somebody else got there first, it goes on the chair in, in, the, <laughs> in the lounge. And we'll, we'll find a chair for, to put my coat on. She goes, this is not a coat hook. Put it in the utility room. It looks good to me. <laughs> but you know, there are, there are seasons in our life and in all of those seasons, we, we shift and change. And we have, we, we're, not little, we're not young parents anymore. We're, we're older parents. And, and having these little kids run around, it was so beautiful having them there. And watching James and Laura with the kids, it was like, it was quite enjoyable, you know. It was like, uh. and uh, <laughs> And just knowing that we're not there anymore. And, but we, but you know, 
your life shifts and changes. You go through transitions. And once you've transitioned into another season, but your call and purpose and destiny continues to grow and continues to shift with you. So you have to understand your purposes. They shift with your transition, but your eternal purpose in God is to build His kingdom and to make an impact in people's lives. It's to sow the seed of eternity into the hearts and lives of other people. And we have to understand that when God called us, He called us to be ones who prepare the way of the Lord. We can't save people. You can't, you can't take someone and rescue them into eternity. You, that is the work of Jesus Christ. But we are ones who prepare the way of the Lord, who remove the blockage, who, who help prepare the way. Jesus told the story of the, of the man who sowed the seed, who went out. A man went to sow the seed, he says in, in Matthew's Gospel. In Matthew 13, he says, he said, and he, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, uh, but they didn't have much earth and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of earth. Um, and so he goes on and tells the story of how a man sowed seed and some fell in on the thorny ground and some fell on stony ground and, and some, but, but soil fell on, on good seed. Now, sorry, so, soil fell on good well, it did after he raked it, right? So, <laughs> he's a good farmer. And people get in this story that only one point does the seed actually land in a good place. You only think that if you've not been a farmer, right? When a farmer goes out to farm, we're surrounded by farms where we live and the amount of preparation the farmer puts into his field before he sows the seeds is extraordinary. He starts many weeks before and he plows up that field and then he leaves it. And then he comes back and once he's left it and then he'll plow it up again and then he'll, he'll get these contraptions of which I do not know what they're called but he'll rake them over until it's down to something it's, it's absolutely fine and then he'll come back again and then he'll sow his seed. Now some of the seed will go in places where the preparation hasn't been done and the seed is no good in those, in those places. Sometimes seed will get blown in the wind and it will land in the wayside and occasionally you'll get unusual crops appearing on the roadside. You can see that it was something that grew and it randomly grew, but not many. And many Christians are like out there and they're just going, oh, we're just, we're just throwing seed out there. That's like the person who never prepared a field they just threw seed on the hope that some of it might take. And this is the point. Sometimes it does. Sometimes wheat will grow on the verge. But you know, it isn't meant to grow on the verge. If you prepare a field, you will get a harvest. Yeah. And we are not here to, to just randomly scatter. We're here to prepare a harvest and to prepare the hearts of people that they may understand that Jesus Christ has come to make a connection with them and to reconnect the heart of man back to the heart of God. John came and he came to prepare the land, to make paths straight. And it says in Matthew's Gospel, it says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 23, 
Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. This is the Lord speaking to Joseph. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, Joseph gets a shock. Because he's discovered that his fiancée is pregnant. You can understand that he's going through a... Um, he's, you can understand he's going through a bit of a turmoil. He's a righteous man. He's a man of integrity. And he loves his fiancée, but she's pregnant. And he doesn't know what to do. And he's pretty, you know, it's like, what would you do? So he's thinking, I've got to get rid of Mary. I've got to just protect her some way, hide her, just put her away. And God comes and says, behold, she's with child. And they shall call him Emmanuel. God with us. Suddenly, what happens is that there is a revelation beginning to unfold that God is with us. See, John came preparing the way of the Lord. But when you prepare the heart, then you begin to understand God is with us. You see, once the road has been cleared you can reconnect back to the Father. You can reconnect. See, Jesus came to connect us back to Father God and for us to know our eternal purpose and our eternal destiny in, the fa- in Father God. That we would walk with the King of Kings. That we would walk with the Lord of Lords. That we would have relationship with Him with a sense of knowing who you truly are. And Jesus came, and his name, Emmanuel, God with us. It is a declaration of who he is and what he came to do. Jesus said, when he spoke to his disciples on the earth, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He says, when I go from here, he's speaking of his crucifixion. He says, when I go from here, I will send another, the helper, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus Christ has come. See, Jesus came and when he died upon the cross and was taken back into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit upon the earth to make it possible that we might always be with him. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, has been poured out on all flesh. And that's an amazing verse, something I haven't got time to unfold this morning. But there is huge power in that verse that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. You see, I believe that the Holy Spirit is working in the hearts and lives of humanity across the face of the earth. I, I remember speaking to um, uh, an evangelist who um, worked right across Soviet Russia and right into the very depths where, where Russia um, connects with the northern parts of China. And up in those remote um, countryside, um, you, have the, you have literally millions of people in these remote countryside, but these, you have these towns and villages that people, most of them would be um, Muslim people um, by uh, family tradition, they've not heard the gospel, and he came into those places, this fellow from his Swedish evangelist, and he came and 
uh, it, it's, this is towards the end of communism. The KGB had just given him a train to take across Russia to preach the gospel. This is how amazing it is. And uh, they literally gave him a train. It doesn't mean to say KGB got saved. They definitely didn't. But they, they, they gave him this train um, to preach the gospel. And every station they stopped at, they planted a church. And there's still a church in every place where they planted today. And he, he went right across Russia. Um, and he, where he got into the most remote places, and he came into this place, into this remote... They'd never heard the gospel in this town and he preached the gospel and the whole town gets saved now the head of the head of the town um, the, the sort of the leader of, of the town he gets born again he gets filled with God he gets healed of a disease um, and he's going he's going praise Allah praise Allah I'm born again <laughs> and, and and this fellow's going <laughs> the evangelist twitching, you know, it's like this is awkward moment. And, uh, and he goes, and, and he heard the Holy Spirit say, this man has been praying to me all his life. You see, you see, people are searching for God. And they don't know that the man has packaged religion in all kinds of ways which are a distraction away from the truth of who Jesus Christ is. But the heart of man is still searching for God. And God heard his cry, heard the cry of this town, and he sent in a man who could bring the truth. And revelation of Jesus Christ came in, into this town, and they got born again. Right in the remote districts of China. You see, of of Russia on the borders of China. And you know, right there... They found Emmanuel, God with us. You see, when Jesus Christ was born, he was born to bring the truth of who he is. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Let's stand up, shall we?